The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. I can... That'll go to sleep. I can still remember... This, I say that before they all go to sleep. So the... Uh, I, I can still remember the day um, back before Nathaniel was born when I printed those three verses up on a piece of paper, stuck them up on the wall in the room where we would uh, get together before we went to bed. And I stuck them on the wall because I wanted to say that blessing on my family. And uh, I've done that ever since then, every day. And uh, so I want to uh, go to that passage in Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. Okay, Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, Now Aaron and his sons, those are the priests, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So I saw that in the Bible, and I thought, wouldn't that be nice? To have God's blessing on our family. And um, you know how it is when uh, sometimes you can pray... And uh, God will say no is the answer to your prayer. And sometimes you can pray and God will say, wait. Other times God says yes to your prayer. And this blessing, and the way it's said here in this, in this historical event here, and the way we are now in the New Testament, we are the Christians, we're the priests. This is like a prayer. This a blessing is like a prayer. I'm praying that God will give you this blessing. And this is, and because of the way this is presented, uh, we can take it that this is a prayer that God will say yes. We don't even have to wonder if God's going to say wait or no. He's told us. There's a lot of there's a lot of prayers like that in the Bible. You know. God's going to say yes. And this is one of them. The other day, uh, uh, in fact, it was just Friday, uh, we had a visitor at work, um, at VMware where I work, and this person came to talk about her experience as a mother, and the it, it, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was grieving to me. It was hard to listen to. It was, um, 
Then I don't hate these people, but I do, you know, sincerely pity them. Right? That this person was talking about um, uh, gender identity and people who are confused about it. She wasn't saying it as if they were confused about it, but her daughters were confused about it and um, came to her for you know to to, to talk, talk to her about it and. She encouraged them to, you know, to seek out, you know, their their what the, what they wanted, you know, and to study it out and, and to seek out and help help them along their way towards confusion. And it, I, I think about people like that, and I know um, if that person was married to a godly husband, that that would be so hard, you know, for that for that. That husband to, to raise up their children uh, in a in a godly way in their family, right? And I know it's really hard. You know, I just I, I hear these testimonies from other people that you know are, they have a family and they're a Christian and and they um, uh, don't have a, a believing spouse that uh, is helping them, and they're just, they're just at odds. And uh, you know this. This talk tonight is supposed to be about you know you know raising up your children in, in, in scriptures and in and, and a godly Christian home and uh, and talking about my own experiences with that and I can I can thank God that I don't have that experience I I can't really speak to to help somebody who's in that kind of a situation because I'm not in it I I have a godly wife and I'm so blessed. That my wife is someone who loves God, loves Scripture, is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and wants to partner with me to build a godly home. So so blessed. In Proverbs 31, it says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And even though I can't, you know, give you advice or uh, help or from my own experience about uh, if you're in a situation where your spouse is not, uh, you know, helping in the in raising your children for for God, um, I can uh, exhort you and and and, and um, encourage you to be that godly spouse for your partner, because you know uh, that it's uh, it's so much, it's so much harder if you have to go it alone. One of the things that we do um, in order to uh, bring up our children in, in a godly way, in a, in a scriptural way, is that we homeschool. And uh, I'd like to turn to Deuteronomy 11.
Deuteronomy 11, verse 16. Okay, Deuteronomy 11, verse 16. Uh, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and ye shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied in the days of your, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. I look at that last phrase in that last verse there, as the days of heaven upon the earth, that seems like such strong language. I mean, not in the offensive sense, but such strong language to talk about the days of heaven upon the earth. Wow. And to me, I, I feel like I've had that blessing. I, the, because we've chosen to homeschool, we can take the scripture and make it the centerpiece of our home, and the centerpiece of our education. We can put Jesus Christ on the throne of our, of our home, of our family. We can uh, center everything that we do around that, and we can have our children raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And I just obviously couldn't say that if we sent them off someplace else. Just couldn't say that, right? And so we've been so blessed from our homeschooling. And, and I, I look at this this passage here, talking about uh, teach them your, uh, when you're speaking with them, when they sit in thine house, when you're walking by the way, when you're lying down, when you're rising up. And uh, and we do write the scriptures on the doorposts of our house and on our walls and stuff like that. If anybody comes in our house, they uh, can't mistake. You know where our position stands. Uh, we've got scripture verses all over our walls, and uh, you, know, you know different things that we're either um, uh, admonished by these verses, or we're meditating on them, or, or they're good prayer verses, or uh, just at, you know educational type things. And uh, I, I think about how. Um, the, this, this strong language that it uses as the days of heaven upon the earth, and, I, and I'm just so glad that we made that decision, you know, just looking back so long ago. And uh, I can only uh, uh, encourage it. I can only, if it, so if anybody wants encouragement for homeschooling, you know where to go. Okay. And then the other thing we do is we read the Bible. Now, uh, in, our, in our in our house, and uh, so just for the sake of time, I'll, I'll quickly read through these verses here uh, about why we would do, why we would do such a thing. It's in, in John one one. It says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." In John one fourteen, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in 1 John 1, verses 1 and 2, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And in 1 John 5, 7, it says, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Revelation 19.13, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Jesus Christ is God's Word. Listen to what he has to tell you by reading the Holy Bible. And in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. When we read the Bible, we are acknowledging God. We prize his word so highly that we invest our time to focus on what he wrote. This is a form of worship. And I'll quickly go through some verses in Psalm 119, 119. You know, that's the, the psalm about, the, about God's Word. And there's uh, some, of the, some of those verses that are especially uh, relevant to this particular topic. Verse 9, Wherewithal shall a man, young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Verse 92, unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. Verse 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 104, though through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 111, my testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law. Verse 171, my lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. And uh, the last thing I'll talk about, and I'll talk about very briefly because it's not the main topic tonight, it is just what we do as, as our testimony, as our, uh, what we do for our, in our family, is that uh, when we read God's word, we read, the King, we read the King James Version of the Bible. The King James Version of the Bible is a work of providence there are several biblical principles and reasons that we can be sure that God has both provided and preserved His Word for us. Those are the same biblical principles, the same principles that lead us to use the King James Version of the Bible. And again, this is a very brief 
comment about it. There's way more that we could say about this, but this is just very briefly why we do this. Uh, these are these, these are some of the some of the principles, the reasons we we use this, right? God places His word above His name. God's word is more sure than eyewitness testimony. God's word is our highest authority and our final authority. God wants us to know the truth. As God used men inspired of God to write the scriptures, he also used men called of God to preserve the scriptures. Jesus Christ is God's word. Thank you very much. When Andrew invited me to uh, to speak for ten minutes tonight, I jumped at it. You know, uh, I was kind of slow to um, to say yes, but I don't like saying no, so I just want to. What I have done tonight is more or less a testimony. It's not. I'm not preaching in any way. Not not, not that you wouldn't uh, recognize. The, you know, the word of God is preached here from the pulpit. Um, what God has taught me about parenting is what Andrew asked me to, to look at. So first of all, I mean, I'm, I'm married since 1980, and most of the parenting that had taken place uh, in my family, um, um, <clears throat> it was done before Dean and I were, were married, were, were, were saved, sorry. Uh, you know, the parenting that we did, basically, uh, we learned from our own parents, Okay. As you know, we two children, Gina and John. They were in their 20s when I was saved. So whatever we did, we learned from our parents, basically. Um, I was more liberal than Dina. Uh, she had a stricter upbringing than I had. I think, you know, <clears throat> that the family home is very important. It plays a huge role in the preparation and maturing of a child to go out into life and to take their place in society. And the family home is where the child is secure and safe. It is a place where the child or the young adult can get the support that they need to tackle life's problems. If the family home is not functioning properly, then that child's emotional growth is stunted and their confidence is more or less shattered. They're never really able to take their place in, in, in society. This is commonly referred to as being dysfunctional. That's the word that I was introduced to, where one parent has to assume the role of another in order to, for the family to survive. In addition to their own role, they have to assume, they assume the opposite role as well. And that's the background that I was born into, where my mother had to assume the role of a breadwinner because my father was unable to work. So that's the background that I was brought up in. But despite all the problems that, that we had uh, growing up, all the, all the trouble and all the problems, um, I had four brothers and two sisters, uh, three brothers and two sisters, and uh, <clears throat> we had a very close bond between each other, and, you know, we loved our parents, and we knew that they loved us as well. And, you know, that has borne out over the years, because today, we still meet once a year as a family to honor our parents. 
So after I left home when I was 18, just just uh, to join the Navy, I met with many new challenges, and I found that I was struggling. I was unable to kind of stay up with the, the challenges that were coming my way. I was consumed with a kind of like panic or anxiety that when I had to stand up in front of people, I just lacked this confidence that I was talking about earlier on. I lacked the confidence, and it showed as well. So the way I coped with all these feelings, I used alcohol. And when I drank, everything seemed to be okay, except the problem was I needed more, more often. And as I progressed, the responsibilities increased. So did my use of alcohol. And in the meantime, I met Dina, and I got married, and soon added additional responsibilities to my life, and then a young family came along. You know, when I was thinking about this, it's because there was no solid foundation in my life. It all came tumbling down. That's why my life fell apart. I was hospitalized for alcoholism. And that was the end of my dream, the dream to, I wanted a captain of ship. And maybe it was just as well. I didn't realize that dream because there could have been a lot more, more trouble ahead of me. So you see you see that I did not have a very good foundation for life. You need a rock-solid foundation for your life. And all of you that have been brought up in the knowledge of the Bible, you have that, you have that, that foundation. What you know at a young age, it took me all my life to find out. If you take even Nathaniel 12, 14 or 15 years old, at the moment, Nathaniel knows more than I did at the age of 48. He He's been brought up in the Bible. He has, he has knowledge that I had nothing, that I knew nothing about. It took me um, all my life to find out what, what he would have, what he would have known. So in 1987, I was 32 years old, and I set about to fix my problem. You know, I was hospitalized, and I said I have to do something about this. I continued trying to fix myself for quite a long time, up to, in fact, 2003, when the Lord got hold of my heart and showed me that my problem was sin. In AA, we say, I was in AA at the time, we say, I'm an alcoholic, I'm powerless over alcohol. But I learned here that I'm a sinner and I'm powerless over sin. That's my problem. My life changed. My thinking was changed. My understanding was changed. And for the first time in my life, I got wisdom. I got the wisdom from, from the Word of God. There was times I used to cry out, you know, what's wrong with me? And I got no answers. And then when I was saved, my understanding was open. My problem was sin. So I was 48 years old when I came to the knowledge of the truth, and my children had grown up. Um, Jeannie would have been 23 years old, John 20. I can't wind back the clock, you know. But I can thank God that I'm now on the right road. Um, you know, I regret I regret not having more input into my children's lives. I, I missed out on these formative years as I was caught up in recovery. And there's a whole lot of blank periods that I just can't remember. Sometimes Dina's talked to me about, you know, things growing up. She would mention things. I can't remember them. Um, but I'm glad that God used my mess to bring the, the message of the gospel into their lives. And that was the best moment of my life to see my family trust Christ as their personal saviour. It was then <clears throat> that I saw a real change in their lives. 
I could see that God was doing things that I would, thought was impossible. I was never. I would have never been able to do what God accomplished in their lives. Um, I could see that I would never be able to do that in my own efforts. Only God can change a person's heart. And all these changes took place before my eyes, and I stood. I just stood back and watched God work. To be honest with you, I just stood back and watched God. I, I saw John maturing. I saw Gina maturing, and in fact, they passed me out, basically. Now, a number of years have passed, and Gina and John are now raising their own families, and they're in godly marriages. It's a blessing to watch them grow, and it's a blessing to watch my grandchildren grow as well. And they are now heading to church, uh, and they in turn will come to knowledge of the truth. My grandchildren I'm talking about, they have no foundation because of their parents. So what has God taught me? I must have the right foundation. The Bible is that foundation as it leads to knowledge of the truth. So teach your children what you know about the Bible. Yourself. Teach them. Get, sit down with them. Open up the Bible. And whatever you know, tell them. I must teach them that sin is the problem and that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. No matter what the problem is in marriages, work, outside, no matter where you are, sin is always on the inside. Sin is the problem. And Jesus Christ is the answer. I must teach them to pray. There has to be a God at night time, you know. Teach them to go to God. We were talking about it last Friday night. Um, walking with God. Casting your care upon God. Going in and teaching them how to, you know, to talk to God with their problems and get the help that they need from him. And let them hear you pray. Let them hear you pray. I remember listening to um, when I was over in America with a, a Pastor Belcher, hearing him pray. You know, it's just it's amazing when you listen to somebody who knows how to pray. I must have grace, learn to forgive, and teach your children how to do that, how to have grace, how to forgive. You have rules, and you have relationship. And there's in between, there's a balance between the rules and the, and the relationship. There's grace in there somewhere that keeps you in the middle. You, you can't go all legalistic and you can't go off on your own. But you must stay somewhere in the middle. I must have patience. Keep on doing what is right. Keep on saying no to what is wrong. It's very important for kids to know what's right and what's wrong. And they learn from you. Keep on, keep on telling them what's right. And tell them why it's right. And keep on telling them what's wrong. I must, I must discipline my children and teach them to respect authority. It's something we were taught when we were growing up, to respect authority. Even today, I respect cattle wardens, guards, no matter who they are, if they're authority, I just respect them. I must have realistic expectations. Not everyone can achieve their goals. When you're looking at your kids and you're planning out their lives for them, um, take into account their own faults and failures and take into account their own abilities. But the plan that you have for them may not be the one for them. So I have to have realistic expectations. They have to match up their abilities. I must aim for character formation, not perfection. That's what you were trying to do when you raise kids. You're trying to give them character. The best outcome for a child is to teach them to make decisions for the right reasons. 
They will then be able to say no to what is wrong without having the need to justify themselves. They'll then be able to stand up as young adults and say, no, I don't do that. And they don't have to give any reason why. And they'll be, they'll be strong in their own, their own true feet. They'll know why they're saying no. That's very important because as soon as they go out into the world, they're going to be tested at every level. I must teach them about the world we live in and not hide the consequences of sin. Show them what happens when sin takes over a person's life. One of the things I did with John was I brought him with me down to downtown and I brought him down to um, the homeless shelter in John Street. I showed him that place and I showed him the, the people that were there and I tried to explain to him why they were there. And uh, I don't know what effect that had on him, but for me, I wanted him to show, I wanted him to see what happens when you make wrong decisions. But that's where you wind up. So don't hide the world from them. You know, explain the world to them and explain why it goes that way. And I must realize that the family, finally, is under attack. Family is under attack, no matter, every night in the news, there's something new. It's all against the family. So keep on attending church and hear the preaching of the Word of God. Because if I fall, I'll bring my family with me. That's it. Thank you, Tony. Uh, we'll go ahead and have our last speaker this evening. So Jack, you want to come on up? <coughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I'm uh, like half the age of the people who've just spoken. <clears throat> and the Bible says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. So I'm starting with a caveat, which means um, I'm speaking as much to myself as I am to you guys tonight. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not here to tell you anything of what I think. I'm just going to point to the Word of God. And, um, you know, if for some reason... I was to, uh, you know, fall away or something like that or disappear or that kind of idea, you know. And the Bible says, let God, let God be true and every man a liar, okay? So despite whatever happens to me, I want to be a good example and I don't want to give occasion to anybody to blaspheme the name of the Lord and his principles, but at the same time, his truth is true no matter what, okay? Um, so that that's where I'll start. Um, I, I, let's just ask a question for a start, what is the purpose of Christian parenting? And would you turn to um, Malachi 2, please? Malachi 2. And we'll just establish a precedent here, I guess. <clears throat> Malachi 2, just before the New Testament, last book. <coughs> it's not hard to find like Obadiah is. or <laughs> All right. Malachi chapter 2. And um, I'm asking a question here, what's the purpose of Christian parenting, okay? So everybody will have a purpose of, of parenting in general, okay? But I have a, a real key word here that's added to that. It's Christian parenting, okay? So um, if I if I go on here, um, I start in verse 15. It's talking about the Lord, okay? Um, um, I'll go back to a verse just to get context. It says, yet ye say, wherefore? So people are saying, why to the Lord? And the Lord's, um, this is an answer, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. Verse 15, and did not he make one 
yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. Okay, so the, the key words here, zoning in on, um, the purpose of Christian parenting is that God might have a godly seed, okay? Where our purpose in raising young children is to make them into godly young men and women, okay? But that's the purpose, okay? You can teach them a lot of good things. You can teach them a trade. You can teach them how to respect authority, like Dad said, which is really important. But the underlying goal, the foundational goal is that they might be saved and that they might be godly, okay? That they might love the Lord themselves. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, okay? So, you might have heard that we are ambassadors for Christ, and we usually use that in a soul-winning context, okay? But bigger than that, we are ambassadors for Christ in the home, okay? The husband and wife are ambassadors for Christ. Do they model Jesus Christ in the home, their reactions when they wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning? Are supposed to be godly, <laughs> okay? Everything that they do, all right? Um, and that's, that's quite a challenge, to be a shadow of Jesus Christ in the home, a type um, that you would always be pointing upwards and not to yourself, okay? Um, and, of course, we all have flesh, okay? I understand that. Um, but I'll, I'll um, talk more, more about that uh, later. So I'm just going to give you three things. Um, Brother Dan, a while ago, he had a recipe for soul winning. So I'll give you another recipe, all right? <laughs> I have a recipe for Christian parenting, all right? Three T's. <laughs> Alright, so first one is time, second one is train, and third one is tender, okay? So I'll make them sentences, don't worry. Give them time. So Deuteronomy 6, please. Deuteronomy 6 um, in your Bibles. Um, This is another kind of cross-reference passage to what Brother Darren uh, read out in Deuteronomy 11. So this one... I'm talking about time, um, and you'll see that's kind of understood in this verse. But Deuteronomy 6, 7 says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. These are God's words. Okay? And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house. And on thy gates, and then it goes on, I guess, I, I'll stop there, okay? But um, <clears throat> basically all that stuff, to do all that stuff, that takes time, doesn't it? Okay? And um, I think time is something that a lot of people are short of nowadays, okay? Um, it is a zero-sum game, actually, in time. There's only so many hours in a day, and there's only so many days in a week, okay? Um, but the first thing, you know, when you're trying to help someone, when you're trying to do something, you know, Galatians 6 says... Restore and such and one, but it says in meekness, okay? Consider me myself lest I also be tempted, okay? So if you go back in the context of this one, we just read verse 7, but we will go to verse 4, God is talking, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God, thou husband, thou wife, with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, okay? So in order to give the right kind of time to your children, First, you have to be giving the right kind of time to the Lord, okay? You're not going to, like Brother Andrew was preaching about this morning, thank you, you're not going to be able to pass on devotion 
that faith is not going to be caught, like preachers say, and it can't be taught unless you have it in the first place. Okay? So you need to look after yourself in that sort of sense for the sake of the children. All right? And uh, this is how these principles all work together. They, they interlock together very neatly. Okay? So first, you want to have time if you're not having your own time with the Lord. And then second, we all know uh, um, our, our children need consistent time. Okay? Um, oftentimes you hear about parents when they have a newborn, they put them on a schedule. There's a schedule, a feeding time. They're always in bed by this time. They always wake up by this time. We always have the bath at this time. We always feed them this this time and all that kind of stuff. And we're, you know, adults, even adults are creatures of habit, okay? So in the same way, we need to be consistent. And this is the consistency that the Lord is talking about here when you're with your children. You shall diligently, which is almost like consistently, but um, very thoroughly, and very regularly, um, God is a God of order, he shall teach his word, okay, unto your children, and he shall do that consistently in the morning, you could do it in the afternoon if you've got time taking him somewhere, you can talk about something, you can, they can ask you a question, and that you might just be sprung on with a topic, well then talk about that, and, and, and when you're sitting down, or when you're rising up, um, and when you're walking by the way, okay, so you need to give them, so first, your own time needs to be quality with the Lord. Second, you need to give them consistent time. And third, um, um, it needs to be intentional, okay? So um, the right things won't happen unless you decide to make them happen, okay? Like I said, time is finite. Um, so, um, you know, you're not going to prep your kids in a, in, a, in, a, in a good way. You might stop and start, or you might do a fit of prayer at this time and then drop it for another season, that kind of thing. But if you're not intentional about it and put those really important things into your schedule and into your time and make that a priority above other things, then it, it'll get drowned out by all the other things that happen, okay? Because everybody's grabbing for your time. You need to be at work. You need to be at church. You need to be, you know, there's things that we need to do and there's things we need to prepare for. And if we're not, um, you know, uh, trying to make sure, looking at our schedule and, and saying, you know, I've got a bit out of balance in this one. I need to work on that one. That kind of intentionality, that planning, that intention. You don't want to five years later say, man, I really would have liked to have prayed for my kids, but I never did because I just guess I never got around to it. That kind of thing, okay? That's because you did it without intention. You didn't try to sit down, okay? Um, and I say all these things, of course, um, uh, you know, they are things that we need to do, but... Um, the Lord says that he's the one that works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure, okay? So I'm not talking about doing any of this stuff in our own strength, all right? And I'll say a little bit more about that later. So that's the first thing, time, okay? And then, um, like, we could stay in Deuteronomy 6, the second thing, so give them time, all right? Well, one more thing about time. No one comes to the end of their life and says, man, I wish I worked a lot more. Man, I wish I skipped all those family dinners that I went to. I wish I skipped all those games or whatever that my kid was playing and went to work instead, all right? Nobody on their deathbed would ever say that. They wished that they had cultivated those relationships that were most important to them more if they're having any regrets, okay? So in that sort of sense, just think about that. You know, you've only got, well, um, uh, 40 or 50,000 days. Is it on the earth? Is that 70 years? I don't know. Um, so uh, uh, a lot of people feel... I could get really, you know, you know, a lot of people feel like they have to work an extra job to pay for an extra Sky movies bill or something like that or whatever, you know. 
your kids sky soccer or something like that? I don't know, okay? So I'm not telling you to do those things, but I am telling you that whatever it is that you need to cut out, because you're going to have to cut something out to give time to your kids that they need, they desperately need, you need to do that, all right? So secondly, train them, okay? So like I started with the first point, again, you need to train yourself before you are going to guide somebody else effectively, okay? We don't do soul winning rallies and that kind of thing for nothing. You do need to want to know what you're going to say at the door when you knock. <laughs> um, and if you're going to wing it, sometimes the Lord can use that, but at other times it's good to actually have some strong reasons. We're supposed to be ready to give an answer, okay, of the reason of the hope that lies within us. So train them. So train yourself first. I have a quote here from a book. It says, The man of God who wishes to be an effective father trains himself. He listens to the voice of God's Spirit as it comes through the Scriptures, through the teaching and counsel of spiritual leaders, and he meditates in his own inner being upon God's best. He develops a series of convictions or beliefs which he will not compromise. As the children grow and learn his convictions, they will find security in the consistent order of things. Okay? So, first, you need to, to work on that one. You need to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay? And um, train them, train them and teach them godly things, biblical things, biblical convictions. And each family is going to have their own convictions about things, okay? So, like, I want to teach um, in my home, we're saying that we understand this principle from God's word and how we're applying it. This is how we've decided to do it, okay? And this is how we're going to do it, <laughs> all right? But, um, you know, it's not that... Um, sometimes people take... Uh, standards and raise them up really high, okay? I'm not against standards at all, okay? But Jesus just warned us just not to make them equal with the commandment of God. You just be a little bit careful that the context in which you teach your children, that they don't think they're sinning when they're doing something that they're, you know, that you don't agree with necessarily, but, and it's something that you'd rather that they did not do, but it's not exactly something that's receiving condemnation from heaven. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? Now, I might sound a little confusing to you guys. My eldest kid is five, okay? So, I, again, back to my caveat. I'm working on this stuff, okay? <laughs> they often say preachers, when they first, you know, get in and they have, maybe their kids are younger, they don't have any kids, they do a family conference and they say, this is how this is, this is, this is. And then 20 years down there, they're like, hmm, yeah, this is, this is, you know, <laughs> because life happens and all kind of thing, okay? So this is, um, just develop family convictions of your own. Develop some, which is going to take, obviously, time, and you have to train yourself in those things, and, um, and my my scripture for this one, for your own family convictions is, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Okay? Um, so give them time. Train them up. Uh, that's 20, Proverbs 22, 6. We didn't go there. But train up a child in the way that he shall go. And when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Okay? So, um, you know, uh, really little things will really stick with you. Like, um, mom never allowed me to have sweets or chocolate before lunch. And I still find it hard to break that rule. And I'm in my 30s. <laughs> okay? And that's only just to do with chocolate. All right? So um, maybe sometimes I can hear her or see her frown in my mind's eye if I ever have something I shouldn't do before with lunch. All right? So train them up. Train them with good things. And I know I made that funny, but um, there are some serious things. And they'll think about those when they're older. They will. All right? That's what the Bible says. Okay, last one. Be tender with them. Okay? So I'll go to Ephesians 6 for this one. There's kind of two of the same thing, Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3. But Ephesians 6 says, sorry, I'll wait for you guys. Ephesians, Ephesians, Colossians. 
21. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Okay? And there's a, a similar verse in Colossians 3.21 says, um, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Okay? So, obviously, wrath and anger here um, are uh, just dealing with a child in a wrong way or whatever can provoke them to wrath and can also discourage them. Okay? So, a lot of the time, you know, when we do things in the flesh, maybe we have the right intentions, but we're using the wrong methods. Okay? Um, and we, we talked... Um, that subject came up um, in one of our Bible studies where we were talking about chastening. And chastening has a point of restoring someone. It restores, it's not just, um, you know, a justice that's meted out on a child because they did something bad now they have to hurt. It's not that kind of thing. Uh, chastening is that you're restoring a child and you're, um, you're like getting their attention so that they might listen and they might have a better way. And the Bible teaches in Hebrews 12 that, that they might yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness, okay? So they're better off for it after you're done, not worse off for it, okay? So that's the purpose. It's it's chastening, not punishment, okay? And um, uh, the other word I would like to use is the word dignity, okay? You know, um, uh, you know, um, I remember Alison was talking about um, what we were talking about. She said that the, the kids are they call them down here smallies. Was that remember that one? Um, but the, um, they're, they're smallies, they're small people, they're little people, but they're people all the same, okay? And sometimes it's easy to talk to children, okay, in a way that maybe we're not giving them as much respect as they are entitled to, okay, because they're created in the image of God also, okay? And just because maybe they're, um, the things that they're talking about or the way that they're um, uh, going about something may, might be as uppity as where we are in our maturity, but we have to condescend to men of low estate. We have to come down to their level, okay? And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, okay? So we need to, when we're chastening them, maintain the fact that your goal in mind is to restore them. One day they're going to be a godly man and a godly woman. You're um, keeping a balance in that sense and keeping um, a Bible focus on that and not just, um, as it says in Hebrews, chastening them for your own pleasure, all right? Um, So you just want to be tender, okay? And then all of this then is framed by this last word, in being tender, it's called grace. Okay? Um, you guys were in Ephesians there. Colossians 4. Colossians 4, verse 6. It's a few pages over. It says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man, every person, even a little person. <laughs> okay? So, um, you know, yeah, you'll find in Proverbs, you know, that the, the what is it, the the north, the north wind driving away the rain or something. So does an angry countenance, um, a backbiting tongue, very good. <laughs> All right. But we tend to jump to those verses in the flesh, whereas, you know, and sometimes there's a time for a frown, like my mom's frown, remember, when I was eating chocolate before lunch? <laughs> right. But, um, and it works. Um, but it's always with a point of restoration, okay? So, um, one, one preacher I heard, he, he pointed out a really good point, I thought it was. Um, he said that it's God's grace when our child's undesirable behavior is brought to our attention. God is letting us know that your child has a need. And he's bringing it to your attention because you're responsible. And now you have the opportunity to help them. Now you can teach them in a godly way, full of grace, and show them the face of Christ. And teach them about mercy and compassion and forgiveness and a better way. 
And I thought that was amazing. You know, sometimes, you know, when, when the kids are doing something or whatever, you might be like, oh, this is inconvenient for me because they need to be quiet or whatever it is. Or, but that's not the right focus. Okay? We always want to have heaven in mind. Um, we want, remember, we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. And we need to be teaching them the principles of the gospel so that when they do finally come to the knowledge of the truth and understand the gospel, they, they'll come to a decision whether they they want to trust Christ or not. They'll understand, I guess is what I'm trying to say, okay? So um, we'll be better equipped, equipped to give grace as we keep ourselves in the love of God and daily receive grace, mercy, and compassion ourselves from the Lord, okay? So see how each one of these, our time, we're, we're, we're exercising our time with the Lord. Thank you. Um, we're exercising our time with the Lord first, then that oh, that gives us the best time with our kids or we can um, give, give them the right type of time and the right time, if you know what I mean by that, keeping them front and center. If we're, if we're ourselves in training, you know, um, learning the principles of the Lord, maybe reading a book or something, um, that'll help. And then we'll be able to pass on principles um, as, a, as we're familiar, we're a student also, if you know what I mean by that. And then as we're receiving the tenderness of the Lord and keeping ourselves and under the love of God, we'll be able to guide them along the same path as well, okay? So um, give them time, train them, and be tender with them, okay? So just a closing thought. You're responsible for bringing up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We know that, okay? Um, but remember, we're not called by God to do things because we are able, okay? God called a lot of people to do things that they were not able to do, okay? And um, in order to raise up a godly seed, it's going to take the Lord himself working through you. Hence, we're giving our time to the Lord. We're being multiple, soft in the potter's hand. Um, We're receiving training and instruction and repenting ourselves that we might be able to show and teach our kids what repentance is. And we're being tender with them as we're receiving that, knowing that, you know, um, we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We would love that forgiveness, that instant forgiveness and cleansing that we receive from the Lord. And we ought to be able to freely give that which we have freely received. All right? So um, um, who in the Bible was called to do something great for God in their own strength? Okay? So uh, final verse, just a couple of pages back, Ephesians 3.20. says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask, all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Okay? So that same person who is able to save to the uttermost is able to um, minister to every need, like that described different needs of families, and then sort of brought it down. Okay? There's a lot of grace to be had there. Okay? But, um, you know, when we look at God's word, we aim, we aim high, and then grace fills in all the rest of the gaps. <laughs> so that's my two cents about that um, from God's word. Um, I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, just for the time we got to hear, Lord, about, um, about parenting, Lord. And indeed, it is true, Lord, that the family is under attack, whether it's um, marriage itself, Lord, it is also the parenting side of it, Lord. Um, Satan wants to take control of these things. <laughs> And, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's spiritual warfare, Lord. So I pray that you would help us, Lord, um, um, just to uh, 
to seek your wisdom, Lord, and, and um, your strength on these things, Lord, whatever our situation, our family situation is, Lord. And um, I pray, Lord, that um, maybe if um, our parenting job is done, Lord, that we can pass on wisdom, Lord, um, to others and encourage them in the Lord as well, Lord, in, in their um, in their goal and their desire, Lord, to raise up a godly seed like your word says, Lord. So I pray that you would um, just be with um, each person here, Lord, um, especially those who are parenting, I guess, is our theme tonight, Lord. And um, we just thank you, Lord, for just how you guide us and how you, um, you just minister, Lord, to our families in every way, Lord. We, we look back and see all the blessings, Lord. We're so thankful. And um, we just pray, Lord, that you continue to protect. And like Brother Darren was saying, Lord, I pray that um, you would uh, continue to cause your face to shine upon us, Lord. And um, just to bless us, Lord, and to never leave us or forsake us, Lord, because we, we need you with this, Lord. This is impossible, impossible without you, Lord. So we just love you. We thank you for Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Just want to say thank you so much to um, Darren and <clears throat> Tony and John for uh, preparing that for us tonight. Um, I don't know about you, but I got some good advice and good help. Um, especially, you know, we're, we're going to be uh, embarking on this new thing called parenthood uh, just a few more weeks. And... Um, and so, you know, it's always good to hear the word of advice from others that have been further along than, than what you've been. Um, and so, because, you know, we always, you know, before you come out, before they're actually born, you have all these ideas, all these plans and goals. And, and, um, and then, but as you're starting to go through that journey, you learn more about, uh, about it. And uh, sometimes those plans and sometimes those goals, they kind of they adjust, you know, as, as they grow older and you learn uh, yourself as a parent, how to be a parent, and um, especially being a Christian parent, uh, it is quite different than it is being a worldly parent, and um, and and that's what our our children need is is to be raised in good Christian homes, and uh, and so I just want to say thank you so much for uh, for you men for preparing that tonight. I really enjoyed it, and um, and so uh, we're gonna go ahead and close in just a um, a hymn. I know we sang it this morning, but I think it's very fitting. Uh, for tonight to also close with this because, again, that's what we were talking about was a Christian home. And so if you go ahead and stand together with me, uh, turn to page 525.